Good morning again, everyone. Hey, it's good to have you here. And if you have your Bibles, um, I would encourage you to open up to uh, the book of Genesis. Go all the way back to the to the beginning of your Bible, and we're going to be in chapter 2 and part of chapter 3 today. And uh, my goal today is just to kind of set the context for the series and where we're going. And uh, one of the cool things about having three services on a weekend is... Um, uh, by the third service, I uh, got rid of the stuff that didn't work, and I can focus on the stuff that did work, and so hopefully uh, we'll get it right this time. So um, we're going to talk, we're, we're talking about uh, masks in this series. That's not something new. We've talked about that before. Um, you know, sometimes people ask, how do you decide uh, what to teach on? And sometimes I'm not really sure how to answer that. I spent a lot of time praying about it. spent a lot of time reading my Bible Spent a lot of time listening. Um, one of the things I like to do is listen to people and listen to what they're saying, listen to what's going on. Um, two things I was really, in fact, kind of debating about doing uh, right now, and I've decided we're going to do Unmasked. Um, if you are not in the habit of bringing your Bible, I would really encourage you to bring one. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one afterwards uh, at the Welcome Center. We give you one, love to give you one. After this series is over, we're going to spend uh, a big chunk of time in the book of First John. I'm going to go through First John verse by verse by verse. And so um, you can get ready for that. Start reading the books. And it's an amazing book with kind of an amazing context to it. And uh, you could get ready for that. But we're going to set up this series today uh, that we're going to be in for about a month. And um, it made me think when I was preparing for it about 17 months ago, you know, and time kind of goes by fast. But 17 months ago, I was uh, getting on an airplane and I was getting my seat and uh, putting my overhead stuff in and, and uh, uh, getting in my seat. And I had to, there's a guy seated a couple seats over from me and I had to get past him. So I did the obligatory, you know, I'm getting past him. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, oh, you know, pretty good. And how are you? And as I'm going to get in my seat, I'm like, oh, great, doing great. And I get in my chair and uh, I look out the window and I thought, man, I just, I'm such a liar. Uh, you know, like I just totally just lied to that guy because I was like, oh, everything's great. Everything's good. And things were not great. For me at the time, things were not good. Um, I was on the plane because uh, a week earlier, my grandmother had passed away. And um, I, my grandmother and I were close, and, um, uh, and she was not a believer. And she wasn't just not a believer. She was really proud of the fact that she wasn't a believer. Um, she was, uh, even though I loved her and she loved me, uh, she just made it very clear that she did not know um, God did not want a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the end, the joke was on her because I did her funeral um, in a way, but uh, it, it, which would have probably really made her angry. But I, I'm the family priest, you know, so I, I kind of like, I'm the Baptist priest in my family. So when there's a wedding to do, when there's a funeral to do, um, I get called up to the big leagues. It's really, in my family, it's kind of a, it's an odd thing because there are no believers in my family. So, um, I guess I just, you know, I'm, again, it's kind of a weird thing, but so they'll call me, and uh, it's the only time anyone ever wants to, ever wants me to do what I do, but I'm the professional. So <clears throat> I got the call, and I got on the plane. So I'm on the plane, and I'm really, really honestly, I'm struggling with my grandmother's death, and I'm struggling with what that means, and, um, 
and I'm struggling, and I don't like flying, so it's already not a good thing. I'm on the plane, not a big fan of flying. And uh, pilots keep telling me I, I don't have a problem with flying. It's, it's being 50,000 feet in the air and then not flying that I have a problem with, which is probably true. And then, um, and then on top of that, you know, it's like I'm just kind of wrestling, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say when I get there? Um, because uh, I'm expected to go do a funeral, and I feel like I've kind of got two, you know, like, what would God want me to do? But, well, that'll probably really tick off my family. And, you know, just some of that. So I'm just kind of walking into this plane, and I'm sitting down in this chair, and I'm extremely burdened. And then somebody asked me, somebody I don't even know, they say, how's it going? And I just lied to them. I'm just like, I'm just fine. And it strikes me when I sit down and I think about it, I'm like, you know, that was weird. Why, why would I lie to a stranger about how I'm doing? I mean, I'll probably never, what if I just said, I'm doing terrible, man. My grandmother passed away and I got to go to the funeral and I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. And, you know, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? He can be like, sorry for asking. I mean, I'll probably never see the guy again, right? But it made me think as I'm talking to him, I'm like, boy, it's, it's bad enough that we do that, but it, it doesn't stop there. For most of us, we do that with the people that we're closest to. I mean, how often are you around people that, you know that you love, that know you, that love you. It could be the person you're married to. It could be people living in your house. It could be the person you're sitting next to. It could have been when you came to church today. And we wear these, I'm calling them masks. We just kind of put on these masks, right? It's very sophisticated. We're very sophisticated, right? We put on the nose and the glasses. And I mean, I already have the glasses, so somebody said I got the nose too, but I don't know. So, you know, but we put it on. We wear the disguise, right? You know, oh, everything's great. Everything's fine. And like, why do we do that? Why do we wear masks with anyone? I, I don't know if you've ever, but I've just been thinking a lot about that. Like, why? Why do we do that? What's up with that? Now, there's a lot of different masks that we wear. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about that as I was preparing for the series. I'm like, you know, one of the obvious ones, and we've, we've talked about this before, but it's kind of the, it's the, it's the church mask, you know. And I could ask how many of you are wearing your church mask today, you know, and, and you might be like, oh, not me. But I would just ask you, like, when you came, maybe for some of you, you were coming to church this morning, and maybe it was a little tense on the way to church, you know what I mean? Like, maybe you had, in my family, we don't call them arguments, we call them warm discussions. So maybe you had a warm discussion on the way to church today. I never have those, I never have that problem because I always come to church by myself because um, I have to be here early. But, you know, some of you, I'm, I, I, I hear the thing. So maybe you're coming to church. Maybe it was before you even left the house. There was some heat. There was some, you know, some issues, and then you came. Or maybe as you're driving to church today, you're thinking about your job, and your job is not going well. Your finances are not going well. There's some burden. There's some issue. Maybe there's some sin that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with, some, some guilt, maybe some shame, whatever it is. You drove in the parking lot. You open the door, and when you open the door, boom, you know, you're like, put on, because you're not about to let, you, I mean, you're not going to walk up to the greeter and go, hey, how are you doing? And you'll say, you know what? Not good. I'm really struggling with some sin. <laughs> I'm guessing none of you probably did that today, even though you are, even though you are. Now, why? Why do we do that? So, I mean, there's a church mask, you know, or the smiley face. There's kind of the, I was thinking this week about some of the different masks. One of them was, I call, I call it the designer mask. You know, it's for people when we feel insecure inside, when we feel maybe unlovable, uh, maybe we feel lonely. And so, inst- I mean, who's going to admit that? You don't admit that. So we put on a mask. You know, we wear the, the designer clothes. We got the right look of the body. We get the right, you know, haircut. <laughs> if you can do that, if you have that luxury. Um, you drive the right car. You live in the right neighborhood. You have the right countertops. You're covering it up. Your mask is stuff. You know, your mask is the labels. Maybe it's a righteous mask. 
That's one I think probably a lot of us wear. I mean, I, I'm talking about like you, you've got some sin, you've got some mistakes you made, you've got some issues. And, and right now, even though you've done that, there's no confessing right now. There's no owning up. There's no getting right. You know, there's just a smile. You come to church. You've got this stuff inside you haven't dealt with, something you're struggling with, something you won't give up, just some sin that's going on. You come to church. You walk through the door. You smile. You sing a song. You raise your hand. You put a few dollars in. You take a few notes. I mean, you're not going to, you, you know what I mean. You're not going to be like, well, here's the deal. You shake the hand of the person, uh, you know, at the door. How are you doing today? Really good, but I need to confess something to you. <laughs> I mean, again, we probably don't really do that. But the question is why? <laughs> why don't we? Well, I don't want to be that person. Well, I don't want anyone to know. There's the religious mask, you know. Uh, the religious mask is just, you know, I, when we lack intimacy with God, Maybe we've, we feel like we don't have much faith. Maybe we're, we're filled with fear. We're filled with questions. The religious mask is where we, we, we try to cover that with ritual, with ceremony. If I do this this way, then God will be happy with me. If I do this ritual, if I say the right words, if I cross everything just right, dress just right, and have the right version of the Bible and all that stuff. And a lot of times, uh, that stuff is just covering up for the fact that we lack an intimate relationship with God. There's the achievement mask. I feel in, inside I feel inferior. Inside I feel unworthy. Inside I feel unaccepted. So all my mask is my, here's my GPA. Here's my title. Here's my award. There's the I don't care mask, you know. I love that one. That's like, I don't care. And that's my way of, you know, that's my mask. I don't care even though I really do care. I don't care what you think of me even though I do care. But I don't care that my mask is, I don't care. And you know that I don't care. And I don't care that you don't care that I don't care. And, you know, whatever. And we just kind of do that. There's all sorts of masks that we wear. But I, I want to talk about this big idea to get us started today. And I hope that this can take root in your life today. And it's this. It's that God's grace, I want to talk about this today, how God's grace makes masks unnecessary. God's grace makes masks. Makes the church mask, makes the achievement mask, the designer mask, the religious mask, the achievement mask. God's grace, what Jesus did on the cross, makes masks unnecessary. Now I say that because if, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, and um, I can understand why you might feel threatened, why you might not want people to know the real you, but if, you're, if you have a relationship with Christ, I think the Bible tells us again and again and again, you don't need this. It doesn't help you. It doesn't do you any good. And so I want to talk about that today. We're going to look in Genesis. In chapter 2, we have the very first mask in the Bible, if you will. We've got Adam and we've got Eve. You know the story? God creates Adam and he creates him in in this beautiful, wonderful place. God gives him purpose. He has an intimate relationship with God. He begins naming the animals, setting up the zoo, you know, and it says there there was no, you know, perfect helper found for him. So God creates Eve and so you know Adam and you have Eve and and, uh, there's just the two of them and so God joins them together in in marriage. In fact, in Genesis 2.24, we read this, this passage, for this reason to Man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they'll become one flesh. And it's just pointing something's happened in Adam and Eve that's going to point forward to what God's going to do between men and women and husband and wife. Now, it's kind of an interesting passage when you think about it. It's talking about leaving your father and your mother. They didn't have fathers and mothers. But again, it's kind of pointing forward to what's going to happen. So here's Adam and Eve and they're united in marriage. They're man and wife. 
That, that, you know, they have this transparent relationship. They have nothing to hide. Uh, everything's going great. They're looking good to each other, you know. They're in love. You can hear, you know, in the garden, you can hear Barry White in the background. And they got nothing to hide. It's just everything's really great. And in verse 25, it says, And the man and his wife were both now, I know, you know, we're, we're Baptist church, so we probably shouldn't say this, but they were both naked. They're naked. We should just get over it because it's going to come up several times in the text. It's, I don't know, it's God. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, l- let me just explain this because it's, I, I don't want to spiritualize the text, all right? I just want to just, I want to kind of dive down and grab everything I can out of it. So there's a, there's a literal sense in which they're naked, they're physically naked, and they've got no shame. But then there's some other things. It, it means, it represents some other things, that between them, there are no secrets. Between them, there's nothing hidden. Between them, there are no masks. Between Adam and Eve, there's nothing. There's just authenticity. There's just transparency. They don't have anything to hide from each other spiritually. They have nothing to hide from each other emotionally. They have nothing to hide from each other physically. Let's face it. We know nothing about that. <laughs> I mean, I was reading that this week and going, that is so foreign to us. How many of us can say, yeah, I've got a relationship with someone and there's just, it is authentic. It is, I mean, it's just, har- it harkens back to the garden. I mean, we've got no secrets spiritually, emotionally, physically. It just, I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it? Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? But it's so foreign to us. In fact, it's a little bit hard for us to even understand what's going on here. Now, that word, that word shame there in the Hebrew, the word bosh, and the word in the Hebrew means to be ashamed or to be anxious or, or to be disappointed. It, it can mean to become dry. It has this idea of a relationship that's full of life, and then something happens and it becomes dry, but there's none of that going on here uh, because there's no sin. It always goes back to sin. There's no sin. And because there's no sin, get this. Imagine this. Imagine a relationship where there's no shame. Imagine a relationship where there's no past history for which you're embarrassed. There's no games. There's no manipulation. There's no masks. There's no hiding. There was nothing separating them from God, and there was nothing between them that separated them. Nothing. Now, of course, there's a little bit of a backstory to this, um, to setting this up, because if you remember, God creates Adam, and he places him in this garden, in this beautiful place, and gives him a purpose to life. And, and God says, but I have a boundary for you. You remember that. It says, God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So God puts him in the garden and God gives him life. And God says, I just have one rule for you. You can eat that, you can eat that, you can eat that, you can dig over there, you can build over there, you can do it. But there's one tree, do not eat from that tree. Are you with me? Don't eat from that tree. I'm God, I know it's good, you're not, you need to listen to me. Don't eat from that tree. And there you go. Otherwise, enjoy life. It's going to be awesome. Now, of course, you know part of the backstory. We don't know exactly when all this happened, but, but prior to this, God had created um, angels. And angels apparently had free will. 
like we do. They had free will, a little bit different, but they could make their choice. And we're told that one of those angels that God had created, who we now know as Satan, had one day made the choice that he would no longer honor God, that he would no longer follow God, that he would no longer worship God, but that he would do his own thing. And the Bible says that when he, when he turned from God, he fell. He fell in his relationship with God. He was separated from God, and we're told a third of the angels went with him. So now here's, here's the devil, and in many ways, we know that in this life, angels are far superior to us. So here's, here's Satan, and he's this, this created being that's fallen from God, and he sees Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden. And when he looks at them, he's probably thinking, they're kind of doofus people. You know what I mean? They don't know what I know, and they're not as smart as I am, and they're not as powerful, and they just have this transparent relationship with God, well, la-ti-da, and he's not very impressed, and he can't stand it. He cannot stand the wholeness, the integrity of it all. So he comes down into the garden, and we're told that it, through, through this serpent, he begins to speak to Eve. And, he, and he, he says to Eve, he says, did God really say, I mean, did, seriously, did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, actually, that's not what God said. And what you find here, and if you look uh, forward and you see um, uh, Jesus uh, talking with the devil, you might remember uh, it w- through the temptations, that through the temptations, the devil also quoted scripture there. But he did what he always does. He misquotes and he takes it out of context and he changes some stuff. And says, did God really say to you, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And in fact, that's not what God said. Um, you know, he said, you can eat from any tree except for one. But he's just playing with Eve's head here. He's playing with her mind. What's he, what he's really saying, what he's really driving out is this. He's like, hey, what's up with that anyways? I mean, what's, what's the deal? Like, God puts you in the garden, and God, who does that? Who does that and says, here's a tree, by the way, and you can't eat from that? <laughs> what's, I mean, what is God so insecure about, you know? I wonder what God's issues are. I wonder why he feels so threatened by you, you know, that, that he puts that tree, and then he says, oh, but don't touch it. And he says, you know what the issue is? God's holding out. I mean, that's the bottom line. God is holding out on you. There's something that would be really good and God isn't going to let you have it. Are you going to take that from him? And you know the story. She listens, she listens to the devil and she eats from the tree and Adam eats from the tree. And then the story tells us in chapter 3, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were, and there's that word again, they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves. They got out their little sewing kits and they looked around and they saw some fig leaves. They were kind of big and they started sewing them together to make covering for themselves. There was no, you know, raw stress for less down the street. So they had to make it for themselves and they made this, these clothing you know, and they're like, we don't know what, I mean, they had no patterns, boxers or briefs, they don't know, so they just make some stuff, and they put it on, and they're trying to cover up their nakedness, and, and, you know, that's, so that's what sin does. Sin changes the way that you see things. It made me think this week, I'm like looking at that and going, man, here God had created all this beauty, and now sin has ruined the way that they look at each other, and sin does that. It ruins the way we look at people, it's why we don't see people the way God sees people. It's sin. It's, it changes the way we look at stuff. It changes what we see. It changes what we see when we look in the mirror. That's sin. It really messes with our, with our ability to see and perceive. And then they sewed some fig leaves together and they made covering for themselves. And there you have it, the very first mask. Because basically what they say is, I felt shame, I feel unworthy, I don't feel good enough. And so I'm going to have to cover up the real me because if anybody sees the real me... That's going to be a problem. We can't have that. So they put on these masks. 
Now, fast forward many, 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 many years later in the fullness of God's plan, and we have Jesus Christ walking this earth. He's got some, some men who are following with him. We call them disciples. And Jesus, looking back on this whole thing, on this thing, on the masks thing, he has a word for this, all right? We call it playing it safe, you know. Jesus had a word for it. It was a Greek word that people knew back then. They would have understood. It was the word hypocrites. All right, hypocrites, and that's a Greek word. We get the English word hypocrisy or hypocrite from it. Now, when we say that word hypocrite, it's a very derogatory word, but you understand that it wasn't a derogatory word at, at one point in history. In fact, we understand that in the Greek culture, they, they like to do plays back then. And they would, they, they would have actors, and they would go in these little amphitheaters, and um, they would play parts. But they didn't do, uh, they didn't act the way we act today. They didn't have wardrobes and, and changes and all that stuff. They, all they had were masks. And so maybe an actor or an actress would play two or three parts, and you would always know the part they were playing because they had a mask for each part they were playing. And when they were speaking for that character, they would simply take the mask and put the mask over their face, and then everybody knew, oh, they're playing a part right now. They're a hypocrite. You know, they're uh, uh, hypocrites, and that was just, they're an actor, right? And actors in our culture wear masks. That's what they do. But then after a while, it started to become kind of a derogatory word about people who weren't on a stage, but were kind of acting like they were. About people who would, you know, go out in a crowd, and, and, and they started to use this like, some people, they don't get it. They don't just wear masks up on the stage. They wear masks at home. They wear masks at church. They wear masks with other people. They're not honest. They're not real. They're hypocrites. And Jesus had a real, real problem with hypocrites. In fact, he was saying in Matthew 23, look what he says. He says, how terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. And there he says it, you hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? You are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but you're filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. And what you see is this. When Jesus met a sinner who could be honest about their sin, he could be full of love and grace. If he met a tax collector, he could meet a prostitute. And if she was willing to admit that she had some issues and was willing to turn from her sin, if he met a greedy person, if he met an irreligious person, and they could just be like, yeah, I'm going to drop the mask. I don't need this anymore. Jesus was cool with that. Here's what Jesus had a problem with. Jesus had a problem with, with, with the religious, with the self-righteous, with the people who had problems, who had sin, who had issues, but pretended they didn't. And they walked around all self-righteous, wearing their masks. He had a problem with that. So it shouldn't be surprising that hypocrisy has always been one of Satan's oldest and most favorite tactics. In fact, he doesn't really have many weapons that he uses against us. He kind of uses the same old things over and over and over again. And, and wearing masks or hypocrisy, that's one of those things. And in hypocrisy, wearing a mask always starts with some kind of sin. I mean, it always is traced back to sin. But for instance, like you can imagine, maybe you sin, maybe you think about sinning, and you know it's sin, and you go do it. You ever, ever done that? I know it's sin, I know I shouldn't do it, but you go do it anyways. And then once you do it, you think to yourself, uh-oh, <laughs> I sinned. And you start to feel shame, and you start to feel guilt. And then the devil comes along, and usually he, he only has one line. This is what he says, you better not let anybody find out what you've done. 
Because if they find out what you did, what you said, what you thought, how you acted, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to love you anymore. They're not going to like you anymore. They're not going to want to be around you anymore. This is your only choice. You need to put this on. I know it looks silly, but it might work. And people might not figure it out. Or maybe there was uh, some time you can remember when you went and did something and you didn't know you were, you didn't know it was wrong. You didn't know it was sin. But you went and you did it. And then after you did it, somebody pointed out that that was wrong and that was sin or you figured out the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of let you know. And then the devil comes along and what does he say? It's the same thing. Oh boy, well maybe you didn't know, but no one's going to understand that. You can never let them know what you did. Let them know what you said. Really? Do you want it? So you, you should probably, here, you can have these. I got, I got plenty of them. You can have one. You know what else is really interesting? As a pastor, I've seen this over the years. And to me, this is, this is so intriguing. I can't tell you how many times I've spent time with people who will share their story with me. They'll share a story about maybe how they, they didn't do anything wrong, but somebody sinned against them. Somebody hurt them. Uh, sometimes somebody abused them. And what's really interesting to me is uh, the time I spent with people who, who were victims. It's a weird thing. They become a victim of someone else's sin or choice. And the devil says the same thing to them. He comes along and says, you know what? I know it wasn't your fault, but all the same, if people ever find out what happened to you, if people ever found out what, you know, what happened, they won't understand. They won't want to be around you. You'll be stigmatized. You'll get a label and all that stuff. You should, you need to hide that. He doesn't have a lot of tactics. Pretty much for a lot of this stuff, it's the same thing. It's shameful. It's embarrassing. If people find out, they'll never think the same of you. They won't accept you. They might not like you. Your best option, your safest option, you should probably just put on the mask. Back in Genesis 3, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So this is, this is kind of interesting to me. It's like that they've sinned and um, they've put on, you know, their, their, their clothing, their covering here, their mask, and then they hear God walking through the garden and he's coming to be with them. And that, that probably should have been the best news ever to them. You know, I mean, they might have been thinking, maybe God will never come back. I mean, we sinned. We, 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 we stepped out against him. But God comes back. He's looking for them. And he's walking through the garden. The, funny, the, the weird thing is they, they, they hide from him. So that's kind of weird when you think about it. I mean, like the all-knowing, you know, ever-present, all-powerful God is walking through the garden. And they're, they're thinking, well, if I put these on, he might not, he might walk right past me. <laughs> you know, oh, Adam, I didn't even recognize you, you know. There's only two people on earth, you know. And like they're thinking, well, we can hide. God will never know. It's so, it's so, to me, it's so bizarre. We think that's so weird. It's not any different than any time we try to hide what's really going on in our life. It's the same thing. And then it says in verse 9, but the Lord God called out to the man. He said, where are you? Now, I mean, you can read that and like, what's going on here? It's like, is God coming down and going, now where did I put those people? I mean, they were here yesterday when I was here. Now I don't know where they are. I mean, I'm looking, I don't see them. There's a guy with a mask. That's kind of weird. It's all this stuff. But, but you know, it's like, what's happening here? Now, you have to understand what God's doing is, he's just giving, he's just, it's an invitation. He knows Adam's hiding. He knows he's hiding. He knows what they've done. It's an invitation. He knows they're hiding. He knows they've got a mask on. He's just like, you, here's your chance. You could drop the mask if you want to. I'm right here. I'd love to talk with you. We could work this out. You know, I would imagine that maybe for some of you today, the Spirit of God is saying the same thing to you in your heart. Where are you?
What's going on? Why are you wearing that mask? Why are you hiding that thing? Where are you? And notice what he says in verse 10. And he answered. He, say, he comes out from behind and says, You know, Lord, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. There, there it is. I was naked and so I hid. What's he saying? I, I was ashamed. I didn't want you to see what I'd done. I feel not good enough. I feel imperfect. I feel embarrassed. I'm full of shame. And so he did, she did what we still do today. Just grab a mask, just put it on. Why would Adam and Eve choose a mask? Why would we choose a mask today? I think a big part of it is because we just don't understand the character and the nature of God. And obviously, I don't think they understood. I mean, if you, if Adam had understood how, how crazy, passionate God was about him, if Adam and Eve had, had grasped how God had thought about them and, and planned for them and created for them and his love for them and his care for them, and his passion for them, and his compassion for them, if they, if they had understood what the lengths he was willing to go to, to be right with them, I think if they had understood that, they would have never thought twice about hiding from him. They, he, he wouldn't have even had a chance to come to them. They would have ran to him. And I think many, for, for many of us, it's the same issue. The reason we put on masks is because we don't understand the all-consuming love and compassion that God has for us. He's crazy for you. I know a lot of times that may not make sense to you. You might be like, I don't know, you don't, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've thought. It doesn't matter. I think the Bible's pretty clear about how God feels about those that he, he's created. So they put on masks to hide from God and then they did the second thing and these always go together. Then they wore masks with each other. Because those always go, if we start wearing masks with God, we're just going to wear masks with each other. It's the way that it works. See, here's what we fear. I mean, really, when it gets right down to it, what we fear is that if we drop the mask, people will discover, you know, my fear is people will discover the real me. If If I drop my mask, people will discover the real me. And if they discover the real me, they might reject the real me. They might not like the real me. They might not love the real me. And what we're afraid of, what we fear, is that people will discover the real us. What we should really be afraid of is that no one ever will. That's what we should be afraid of. Because the way that God has created us, and the way that this whole thing works, and the way that we get to places of wholeness, and the way that we get to this place where we can really live and enjoy the grace of God, and drink it in, and and understand that, the way that we get there is when we drop the masks with God and with each other. But when we wear the masks, just I, I, the, here's the picture that I have, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, but I wonder sometimes, see, when we wear a mask with each other, then what we're doing is we're not, we're, we're, the, the people around us, they don't know the real us, right? I mean, I would just ask like, who who knows the real you? Who knows the things that you're really, that you've done, that, that, have, that make you who you are today? Who, who know the things that you're ashamed of? Who, 
Who is it around here who knows the things that, that really bring you joy? And the things that have blessed you? And the things that you think? And the things that you struggle with? Who, who is it that knows the real you? Now, I ask that because I, I, if, if the people around you don't know you, they only know this, then that means that technically they, the thing they love and the thing they like is this. And here's what I thought a lot about. Like, how many of us are praying for people that don't actually exist? You know? I mean, how many of us are praying for, someone says, oh, would you pray for me? I have this or this or this. And then we pray for that person and God's up in heaven going, oh, this is kind of weird because, you know, that person doesn't really even exist. (laughs) This is, you're praying for a mask. Now, if you really want to pray for them, here's what they need prayer for. And the reason that's significant to me is because the Bible says that prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. We should be praying for each other. And then I wonder how many of us, how many of our marriages, how many of our families, how many of our churches are made up full of people who don't, they don't know each other, they don't know how to encourage each other, they don't know how to pray for each other because they don't know each other. When I was, and and you know what, it, it, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I had the opportunity to work for a senior pastor. Great guy. Uh, worked at several churches. But this guy, he was a great guy. Loved people. Loved God. But he, he gave me some advice one time. This is what he said. He said, if you ever become a senior pastor, because it was highly unlikely at the time, but if you ever become a senior pastor, and, and here's the one thing you need to understand. You, when you preach, okay, basically he didn't use the word, but what he said to me was, Always wear a mask, okay? Always wear a mask when you preach. Never admit your personal failure from the pulpit. Never admit your struggles. Never admit your sin. Never admit your hurt. Never admit your fear, okay? Because what people need from you is not your weakness. They need your strength. They need your strength. They don't need your weakness. It's not wearing a mask. It's being an example. It's not being fake. It's being a leader. And I believed him. I thought, oh, that, that makes sense. Here's the other thing I learned. It's a lot safer. <laughs> it's a lot safer. Because when you start to admit stuff about yourself, you know, there's always going to be some people don't understand. There's always going to be some people that judge you. Hey, you know what? Yeah, that's going to happen. There are going to be some people who use it against you. You know that. It's probably happened to you. I know that. It's happened to me. Here's my problem with it. Here's my problem with coming up on the weekend and doing this. Jesus hates it. I think he was pretty clear about it hypocrisy, you know? If he was at church and I thought, man, I hope he never shows up because on the weekend, because that could be, you know, if you sit in the crowd and I'm preaching and he's like, you're a faker, you know? Well, I don't want that. You don't want that. Jesus said, it's just a mask. And you know what? It creates more problems than it's worth. It's not the solution. See, God came up with a better plan. For Adam and Eve, he came up with a plan. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they're wearing these masks, and they're hiding their sin, and, and they're full of shame and full of guilt. And in verse 21 of chapter 3, it says this, and then God did something pretty stunning. God made garments of what? Garments of skin. You gotta, he didn't make garments of polyester. He didn't make, you know, gar- he made garments of skin you know, for Adam and Eve, and, and, and he clothed them. So God comes along, and he says, I got something better than a fig leaf. I got something better than that. I, I'm going to make you some garments out of skin. Now, you have to ask yourself the question when you look at it, okay, garments of skin. Um, where did that come from? Where did the skin come from? 
And again, I think theologians would say, for the most part, that, that we would agree with, would say, well, clearly what's happened here is God has come down into the garden and he's seen what's happened and there's, a tran- there's kind of a transcendent, timeless truth about sin. And that is without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so I think what happens is God comes down into the garden and um, he makes a real covering for their situation. Gets rid of the fig leaves and, and the life of an innocent animal or animals are shed in the garden. That's a crazy thing. I'm sure that Adam and Eve were probably shocked. It doesn't go into details, but they see the life of this animal, this innocent animal that's taken, and the blood is shed, and God, I think, I don't think it, like God went and did it in a factory. I think he did it right in front of them because they need to begin to understand something. And then he makes some clothing for them, and he clothes them. Why would God do this? Why would God make garments of skin for them? Because he's giving a foreshadow. This is a picture of something that he's going to do for us many years later. And that work was done through a guy named Jesus Christ. When God came down to this earth and he lived in a body like ours and he lived among us, he walked among us, he he taught us about God, but he never sinned. So he's this innocent man and he's going to go to the cross and on that cross his innocent life is going to be given. His, His innocent blood is going to be shed so that you and I can be forgiven for our sin. And we just get a little picture, a little hint of that in the garden. In fact, one day while Jesus is on this earth and he's beginning to start his ministry and he goes out to the Jordan River and there's, you might remember the story, there's a guy there named John and we call him John, well, we call him John the Baptist, but, you know, some people call him John the Baptizer or John the Dunker or whatever you want to call him, depending on how little you are there. And John's just out in the wilderness, and people are coming to him, and John's like, hey, man, you need to repent. And he's just, you know, he's dunking people in the water. He's a crazy man. And Jesus comes along one day, and John sees him, and John's like, through the, through the Holy Spirit, he knows, and it says the next day, John saw Jesus, and he's coming toward him, and he said, look. He points to everybody, he goes, look, it's the Lamb of God. Now, they would have understand a lamb was a sacrificial animal. It's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the lamb of God. John was just saying, you know what? For, for years and years and years, we knew that this time was coming. We may not have known exactly how God was going to do it, but from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God began to say, this isn't, this isn't, you don't have to solve this problem. You don't need this. It's not up to you. It's not your, I'll take care of it, God says. So back in the garden, he gives us a picture, a little shadow of what's about to come. Jesus comes and he goes to the cross. And on that cross, his blood is shed. And it's offered to us so that we no longer have to wear masks, so that we no longer have to try to figure out through ritual or being good enough or any of that stuff how we can be acceptable to God. In Galatians, it puts it this way. You are all sons of God through faith. That's trusting. Through trusting in Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, notice, have clothed yourselves. There's the picture. You have clothed yourselves with what? With Christ, okay? With Christ. Not you've clothed yourself with a good mask, with a designer, with a smiley face, with that. No. You've clothed yourself with Christ. What does he mean? What he means is this. When God looks at us, all right, God's not ignorant. He knows what you've done. He knows about your sin. He knows about your mistakes. He knows about your guilt and your own shame and all that kind of stuff. But his point is this. When, when Jesus came along, when he gave his life, he gives us the opportunity to receive, we call it 
the grace of God, a free gift of God. He, he offered Christ to us, and now we can take and we can, we can wrap ourselves in the righteousness of Christ so that when God sees us, he doesn't see this and he doesn't see guilt and he doesn't see shame. What he sees is the righteousness of Christ and the work of Christ. So a good question that we would ask is, why would anybody who's clothed in Christ ever want to wear these? Ever want to cover it up? Ever want to mask it up when there's something better? There's forgiveness. There's, there's grace. In Romans 4, 7, it says this, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are what? Covered. He's not saying you're perfect. He's not saying you'll never sin again. He's just saying, in Christ, it no longer matters. Because in Christ, you've been forgiven. In Christ, your sins have been washed away. In Christ, they've been covered up. In Christ, there's no more shame. So, you don't need masks. They don't, they don't even serve a purpose. They can't accomplish anything good in your life because the grace of God makes masks completely unnecessary. We don't need them. They're useless. They're worthless. And they're hurtful. So, I want us, as we begin this series, to just get really practical for a minute. So on your notes down at the bottom, I'm asking you a question. And here's my question for you. How are you doing when it comes to being authentic and transparent right now? Okay, you understand? Let's just put it this way. I'm not talking about are you being good enough right now to earn salvation with God because you can't earn salvation with God. It's a free gift that God gives you. My question is, what are you doing with it? That's my question. What are you doing with the grace of God? Is it only a concept or is it something that you are living out? Are you hiding or are you living in a place of health right now? So here's my, here's my question for you down at the bottom. When it comes to wearing masks, what's going on in your life right now? This is just, it, you could be a one, you could be a 10 as you look at it. I'm just asking you to think about this a little bit. I'm asking you to be a little introspective here and, and get together with God. And, and where are you right now in that whole concept? Like maybe some of you could circle a nine with integrity as far as you know. You're here today and you could be saying like, you know what? Right now I've, I'm aware. I've got some mass. I've been hiding some things. And you know what? I've been dealing with that because I've, I've realized this is not good stuff. And this, is not, this does not honor God. And this does not make any sense. And maybe for some of you, you've been like, I've, I've, been, I've been opening up. I've been, you know, with God getting rid of the mask. God and I have been having some really honest, open conversations. Again, this isn't about your salvation. This is about your spiritual health, right? How's that going right now? Maybe for some of you, you could be like, you know what? I've recently, my wife and I have been having some real, honest, God-honoring conversations. Yeah, I'm taking off the mask. Or I've got a couple of friends, and we've been having some discussion. Or, you know what? In my grow group, we've just kind of, we stopped playing games, and we're just really starting to let the grace of God and the health that he's given us just begin to radiate in this place. So maybe for some of you, you could circle that eight, nine, ten. If you're 10, let me know. I'd love to know. But you might be able to circle that and go, you know what? I'm really having some, I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. Maybe for some of you, you walk in here today and you're like, oh man, I can't even believe we're talking about this. You know? And maybe for you, it's a two right now. Because you've got all sorts of masks. And right now, you may be sitting there not very convinced that you want to go down this road. And you want to do this. 
If you're in a grow group, you might be thinking, I don't think I'm going to grow a group this week because I know, I know what we're talking about. I already looked at the questions and I don't want to go there. Where are you right now? I want to encourage you to take some time and to look that through and to talk to God and ask the Spirit to lead you down this road of, of self-discovery. Where are you right now? And here's the second thing I'd like to encourage you to do. I'd like to encourage you to have the courage to, to step forward and to share that with somebody. Now, I, I think you need to be wise about who you share it with. If, if you're married, your mate would be, I just, that would be a really good person to start with, to share with your husband, your wife. You know what? Here's, here's where I'm at right now. There's a few things in my life, and I just feel really good about them. I feel like God's having a lot of victory in my life, but there's a couple masks, honey, I'm kind of wearing, and I don't want to anymore. And I think a good first step is to just, just to say it. For some of you, uh, th- your grow group would be a great place. People love you, are committed to you, they know you. And maybe you might want to go this week and just say, you know, you might just want to say, I, I, I'm a five, I'm a four, I'm an eight. You don't want to say any more. That, that would be a big step for you. It would be a way to just kind of lower the mask a little bit. Maybe for some of you, you'd want to say it and just maybe explain a little bit like, here's why. You want to get a little crazy, a little you know, bold, you might say, well, here's, here's one of the things I'm struggling with. I really want to be authentic with you. I want to have a real relationship and get that out there. See, for some of you, it's going to be the best conversation you've had in a long time. For some of you, you're just going to continue to hold back, keep the mask up. But I want to encourage you today to drop the mask because they're not necessary. If you know Christ, you don't need him. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, well, then I can understand this whole thing. But God has an invitation for you this morning. The invitation is to give your life, to trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross. Can't earn it, can't work for it. It's just a free gift that he offers to you. This morning, you could get rid of the shame and you could get rid of the guilt and you wouldn't need these anymore. Let's pray together.